listening to Sons of Thunder, a podcast that brings you faith, fellowship, and fire, giving you the spiritual weapons you need to do battle for the Lord. And now, please welcome your hosts, the Dynamic Deacon and the Man on Fire. This is the Man on Fire, John Sablon, the co-host of Sons and Thunder, and I am joined by my brother with the same holy mother, Deacon Harold Bricksivers. How are you, brother? <laughs> I'm doing well, John. It's great to be with you. Uh, very excited about, uh, about our new venture here. Yeah, me too. Me too. For those of you out there, you've probably seen Deacon Harold and I when we tag team together on Real Men, uh, a series on Shalom World Media. And uh, Deacon and I have been working together for a few years now. So I'm very, very honored, humbled, and blessed to be joined by my brother um, on this venture. So we are on the first episode, Deacon, of Sons of Thunder kind of fitting when you when you put the dynamic deacon and the man on fire together (laughs) (laughs) so we're not we're looking for places at the right hand of jesus (laughs) that's right that's right we're gonna learn we're gonna learn from the original sons of thunder um, of where we actually belong which is uh the last and last place we belong at the feet of jesus (laughs) amen (laughs) amen to that so we are kicking this off my brother on Ash Wednesday, the beginning of the Lenten season, when we were kind of talking about this initiative and and planning this out, we were like, you know, what better way to kick off the Lenten season by kicking off this effort to hope, you know, hopefully bring other people closer um, into a deeper relationship, of course, with our Lord and our Catholic faith. But when we talked about the Sons of Thunder uh, initiative and what we hope to bring is really unpacking the truths and richness, richness of our faith in a way that each of the listeners can kind of you know, apply to their daily lives. Right. So um, you're obviously you've been you've been trained, you've been formally educated, you've been doing this for a while now. And sometimes our faith can be a little bit intimidating. Right. So trying to be to try to distill uh, the all the things about our faith, the different you know papal documents, the you know, the catechism by itself, sacred word, scripture, all of that that um, it just becomes overwhelming for, for some of our faithful out there. So our goal is to hopefully distill some of the richness and truths of our faith in a way that you can apply to your daily life. Yeah, you know, that, that's a great point, John, because, you know, we, we have such a faith, a faith that's so rich mm-hmm. and so deep. There's so much history. There's so much writing. It seems overwhelming. And quite frankly, it's, it's, it's overwhelming to the point where a lot of people don't make the effort to, you know, to, to dive into these. And there's just so much. I mean, just look at the writings of just John Paul II or Augustine mm-hmm. or, you know, there's just so much out there. So I think people feel a little overwhelmed. And so I'm glad we're taking on this effort to take some of these uh, great documents of the church and apply them to the everyday lived experience to see how something that was written 10, 20, 30, 100 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even a 1,000 years ago, mm-hmm. how it still is relevant and important to our spiritual life, to our growth and maturity as uh, as husbands, as fathers, as as um, you know, single people, as women, as mothers, and, and no matter what what state of life you find yourself, no matter where you are in your walk, in your relationship with God, there's going to be something in this podcast where people can take and say, "Yes, I can definitely relate to that and connect that to my everyday lived experience," and hopefully, they want to go deeper. You know, they, they, we'll introduce them to some things, maybe some concepts, and they can just take it and run with it, That's you know, right. out there and, and just feel really comfortable going deeper and diving a little bit deeper into the faith. That's right. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great um 
explanation of what we hope to achieve. So we are starting on Ash Wednesday, my dear brothers and sisters out there. Um, and we're going to, what better way to do that than diving into one of the great uh, papal documents from the late great Pope St. John Paul II, Divis and Misericordia, rich in mercy. So Deacon, you know, can you, can you open this up for us um, to introduce this document? Maybe some people have heard of it, maybe some have not, but what can we say uh, initially about this document, Divis and Misericordia? Okay, so uh, a couple of things. First of all, um, you know, John Paul II was elected. He has a very, very intelligent uh, man, one of the, the, the brightest, uh, greatest popes that we've ever had. As far as the, the, the depth of his uh, knowledge, he had two doctoral degrees, one in philosophy and one in theology, and that obviously came across in his writings. This particular document is the, the second of a, uh, a trilogy of documents on the Trinity. So his first one was Redemptor Hominis, the Redeemer of Man, uh, looking at Jesus Christ and the relevance of Jesus Christ in the modern world today. Then there was this encyclical that we're going to take a look at, Dives in Misericordia, Rich in Mercy, which comes from uh, the book of Ephesians, uh, where he talks about the Father and the merciful love of God the Father. And then the third one was Dominum at vivificantem, the Lord and giver of life, which of course we say about the Holy Spirit in the creed uh, at Sunday, although not Sundays, uh, yeah, and Sundays now, right? We, we, every Sunday we say the creed, although some people, you know, will use the uh, the Apostles' Creed during Lent. Mm -hmm. You know, some parishes that do that rather than the Nicene Creed, but but uh, but we talk about the Holy Spirit there. So so this is the second one, kind of the center. If you think about it, it makes sense. Jesus, we, can't, we, we come to know God through Jesus Christ, who brings us deeper into the love of the Father. And remember, Jesus says, I cannot say the Spirit unless I go back to the Father. And so, both, and so the Holy Spirit, the Domino Vicantum on the Holy Spirit is the last one, because that was, the Holy Spirit was set by the Father. So it's beautiful mm -hmm. the way John Paul II lined it up. Because some people say, why do you just do Father, Son, Holy Spirit? Mm -hmm. Why Jesus the Father, but, you know, uh, with the explanation... Uh, that I just gave. Hopefully that'll, that'll make sense to a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, what an awesome way to start off this line to be able to start with understanding the concept of mercy. I mean, think about how uh, our world uh, and our church is is in a period of suffering um, greatly. And, you know, with mercy, as, you know, Pope St. John Paul II talks about, is, is that loving response to overcome evil. And so that's the goal of this episode is to really kind of unpack this and, and in through the mind, of course, of Holy Mother Church and Pope St. John Paul II to, to understand and to come into a more, uh, you know, deeper understanding and really relationship with uh, the person of Jesus Christ and him being mercy for all of us. So where to begin, Deacon? This is a, this is a document chock full of stuff. Deep stuff, like you said, JP2's got a brain bigger than most of us. Um, <laughs> so, and, and is and can be, you know, some people can see him as, as difficult to read. So, where do we begin as we as we enter into this journey through understanding God's mercy for us? Well, you know, this is one of the key themes for uh, for the Lenten season. You know, obviously, there's a traditional prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Uh, but I think underpinning all of that is this rich mercy. You know, so many people are carrying around um, burdens and memories and hurt and pain from the past. Someone may have hurt you, or you have may hurt you may have hurt someone in the past. Uh, 
Um, you know, you may, you may have bullied someone when they were in high school. You may have taken advantage of a, a young woman who was drunk while you were in college. And you're, and even though you're, you're not that same person anymore, we carry around so much guilt and so much shame. And I've even met people who still to this day, if you bring up something during a talk, they start crying because now you've touched something that's that's a, 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 a memory or a, a pain for the past. And, and, and in order to bring healing, uh, God sent his son, Jesus, not just the, of course, heal us from death, you know, because Jesus had to die and rise from the dead to shut out even death, which is the worst effect of original sin, cutting ourselves off from God's life. Uh, not, that's not even more powerful than, God, than God's love and mercy. So as we enter into this Lenten season, you know, we're going to take a look at how we can bring healing uh, to our to our lives through this beautiful document on uh, God's uh, mercy by John Paul, St. John Paul II. So Jesus reveals the Father um, and his merciful love for, for us. Um, you know, that famous line from uh, uh, God fully reveals man to himself, mm-hmm. right? And so in that revelation, the fullness of that divine revelation is Jesus Christ, is a person. It's someone that we can interact with and have a relationship with. And so Jesus is the model and source of God's mercy through his teaching. Mm-hmm. You know, beatit- the Beatitudes and parables, he told stories. He told stories. Mm-hmm. You know, and stories are really wonderful ways that we can transmit beauty and truth, because stories touch our hearts. They're easy to remember. Think about when you read your kids' bedtime stories, right? Mm-hmm. And they want to hear the same story. Oh, because there's something about that story, the rhythm of it. Um, it transmits beauty. It transmit, uh, transmits truth in a way that the human heart and the human mind can understand. And so God uh, reveals himself in and through um, the beautiful lived experience and through storytelling is what Jesus, part of what Jesus did as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we look at the life of Jesus Christ. Um, specifically, we think about the Paschal mystery, right? I mean, that, obviously, how much he loved us. And, you know, I think Lent, I mean, it's just the season of all seasons. It's, it's why we exist as Catholic Christians. Um, it, it's the whole point, right? Otherwise, everything else is just in vain. So, Deacon, when we think about Jesus as the model and source of mercy through his actions, of course, through his stories, you know, he told parables, um, what can we speak to the people out there? You know, because I think you hit, you hit on something where both of you and I have, uh, you know, travel, we do talks and we've experienced people touched and moved by something that, that the, that the Holy spirit spoke through us, right. Whether it's through some type of, um, our own personal experience that they resonate with, or when we bring about, uh, you know, challenges that we hear in other people's lives or hurt or trauma that other people have felt where, you know, this, this mercy is something that is sometimes difficult to grasp and difficult to, to, to put your arms around or even your, your mind around. But looking to Jesus and his own actions, what, what, what does it have to offer us, um, especially as JP2 breaks it open in, in this document? Well, Jesus's miracles, uh, especially. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's the way he treated the poor. The way he, uh, the, 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 one of the reasons he did miracles was so that people can be restored to worship God. Because remember, for example, someone who was blind or someone who uh, had leprosy, they were not allowed in the temple. Mm-hmm. They were not allowed to worship. And so Jesus restored them to the nature for which God intended so that they could begin to honor God by the witness of their lives. And that's the key for us. God enters into our life with his rich mercy, so that we can truly become the person who God created us to be. 
And of course, Jesus showed his love through miracles, especially raising people from the dead. You know, his friend Lazarus, a little 12 year old girl, we said Talit Takum, you know, one of the few places we actually speaks Aramaic. Mm -hmm. He says, little, little girl arise, you know, and it restores, uh, you, you know, this little girl back to her parents. And, um, you know, and, and so we have to look at how with the Holy Father through the lens of, of John Paul II, looking at how God works in our lives every day, not necessarily through powerful miracles, but by the witness that that's the key, the sign and the witness that Jesus mercy was. We just can't talk about mercy. We actually have to show mercy through our lived experience by showing, because remember, someone may meet Jesus Christ for the first time by meeting us. Mm -hmm. We are the first encounter that people have with Jesus Christ. And what, what do we want to show them? What does the face of Christ look like? It looks like love. It looks like mercy. Uh, the, again, the, the, the forgiving the woman um, who was caught in adultery. Remember, he, out of love and mercy, he, he said, no one, no one here condemns you, but go and sin no more. Don't do that again. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's holding, it's, God's also holding us accountable that if he's going to show signs of his love and mercy, that, that we have to make a commitment to live that in our own lives and not to go back to our former ways, or at least work really hard to cooperate with the grace, especially in the grace in the, in the sacraments, especially in the Eucharist, that strengthens that resolve to continue being a witness of mercy to others. Yeah. Um, you know, going, going back to even how we started to explain how JP2 talks about divine mercy being revealed in the, in Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ, right? That this is, through, as you just stated, Deacon, his witness, not only in the miracles he performed, but really in the Paschal mystery that he gave his very life away for all of us, right? Those who are unworthy of, of that love, yet he poured it upon us in a way that, um, that you know, is difficult to understand sometimes. You know, I think I, I, keep, I keep going back to that because I think a lot of our people in today's world, I think about the things, Deacon, that plague our society when it comes to depression and suicide and people taking their own lives today, where if they knew this truth, right, if they understood that God loved you so much that he sent Jesus Christ, you know, the second person of the Trinity to lay down his very life for you, um, oh my, you know, what kind of hope would there be in this world? Um, and and to, to, to be able to experience the miracle and the transforming uh, power that he has and the love that he has for us. So, you know, when we look at this in a, in a very real way, practical way for um, our, our folks out there to understand, you know, because we're, we're pointing to different parables. You're, you're bringing up, you know, the woman at the well or, you know, the healing of, of you know, the sick or the blind. What, you know, what does this look like in today for our folks out there today that are maybe going through some stuff, you know, starting off Lent, maybe they're, they're dealing with some really tough crosses that it's difficult to find hope um, and, 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 and to be encouraged during this time. You know, Jesus is not an idea. Jesus is not a concept. Jesus is a person. And entering into that relationship is exactly why he came to us. He wanted to touch us with his own hands. Mm -hmm. He wanted to love us with his own heart. He wanted intimate, personal, loving, and life-giving relationship with us. And so as John mm -hmm. says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so witnessing to the power of Christ means that, um, that we have to be merciful as a condition of receiving mercy. Remember, in the Our Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those 
who trespass against us. Uh, that means that God will forgive us to the extent that we forgive others. And God will show mercy to us to the extent that we show mercy to others. You know, mercy is love's response to suffering and evil. Not hatred, not resentment, not anger, but love and mercy is the response to suffering, which is countercultural. Mm-hmm. It's exactly not the way that our culture is thinking today. Our culture thinks somebody did something to you, get revenge. You know, as the old script said, an eye for an eye. Mm-hmm. Which really didn't mean, you know, get revenge. What it meant was you impart justice to the level that you received injustice. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So if so, if um, if someone stole from you, you know, you don't kill them for that. Mm-hmm. You may punish them somehow, you know, but you punish them to the same level that that you know that the punishment uh, that the crime, you know, um, that the crime warrants. Mm-hmm. You know, but 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 not but see not when it comes to God's mercy because God's mercy is unlimited, mm-hmm. and so we have to show that same, which is hard, which is hard, mm-hmm. especially showing mercy to someone that hurt us. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean we forget what happened. That doesn't mean that you know uh, uh, that uh, that we don't pretend that it didn't happen. I think part of the healing is admitting to our, admitting that it really happened, but then relying on God's mercy and love to be able to. Uh, forgive that person because Jesus says we have to forgive from the heart and the only it's supernatural uh, mm-hmm. John the only way we can't do that on our own mm-hmm. left to our own devices there's no way that's going to happen we have to draw from God's incredible uh, mercy yeah so that is one of the things that JP2 talks about is that the, our mercy uh, our being merciful is a condition for receiving merciful uh, receiving mercy um, and of course, I think we, we, we pray it in the Our Father, right? Every single, you know, every time we attend Mass where we say, you know, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. I mean, I don't know about you, Deacon, but that scares me to death, right? I'm thinking, man, I have a hard time forgiving. And yet if the Lord is going to judge me according to my own uh, ability to forgive, man, that's a scary, and like you said, so praise be to God for, you know, supernatural faith and supernatural uh, love and charity and for the grace of the sacraments, right? To, to find forgiveness and healing in God's very divine life in us to work through us, to be able to, to be merciful to others. But that's a key thing for the folks out there that, that it is our, it in our being merciful is a condition for receiving merciful as JP2 talks about in this document. Um, so, you know, one of the things we were looking when we were preparing for this, we talked about, you know, our own, our own plight, our own journey requires mercy. You know, um, I, you know, my story, uh, like most of, yeah. uh, most of you, you know, <laughs> praise be to God that he was patient with me and merciful because of, I was a wayward, I was a prodigal son. That's a big, big part of this document as well as that lost sonship when it comes to just a prodigal son and, and, you know, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Um, can you speak to that, Deacon, just our, our, own, our own journey of faith, our own plight, that, that it in itself requires mercy um, from God and, of, of course, neighbor? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in, in this encyclical letter by uh, John Paul II, um, he offers a reflection um, on mercy, uh, focusing on, uh, well, several parables, particularly the prodigal son. You know, which uh, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, because because you know, it, it's that that's the story of mercy. That's the, the story of God's love. You know, when, when, you got to remember in, in that uh, why why is that so powerful? Uh, we all know the story. The, the, the son takes his father's inheritance even before he's dead, because usually you don't get the inheritance to your to your to your uh, parents are deceased. But he disrespected his father 
to the point where he he asked for his money before his father even died. He spent the, the his money on uh, father's inheritance on wine, women, and song. Found himself basically homeless, and he working in a pig pen. And you know what, what's striking about that story? You gotta understand from the point of a, a Jewish person listening to this. Mm-hmm. They had very strict dietary laws uh, in, in the Pentateuch about what they could eat and what they can't eat. And pigs were considered filthy, disgusting animals. Why? Because they eat garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, so the Jewish people could not eat them. And so now, now, now here's the point. <laughs> Jesus didn't say that he longed to eat the pig. He longed to eat what the pig. Eight. Mm-hmm. So think a Jewish person would say, "Oh my goodness, he's with the pigs. That you can't get lower than that." <laughs> oh yeah, watch this. He didn't. He wanted to eat what the pigs and what the pigs eat garbage, mm-hmm. garbage. So the very things that that make the pig vile, because they take that into their bodies, he's taking that into his own body. I mean, a Jewish person hearing that would say, "Oh my goodness, you can't get lower than that. There's, there's, there's nothing worse than that." That was Jesus' point. Mm-hmm. That was his point. Because when we're at the lowest point in our life. That we have to, we have to say, God, you're the only person that can help me. And, and let me, let me just make it real for you. A lot of people ask, what about my son or daughter who's a, who's a, uh, an addict, mm-hmm. a deacon? They're in and out of rehab. You know, I, I was there was one story that was heartbreaking, heartbreaking. We're driving the car from the airport, and they were telling me about his son who's living on the street, or and living in his car, or living in the park, and and they drive by and see him every day. But he can't let him come home because he used to bring a drug paraphernalia into the house, and then the grandchildren are getting exposed to that. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a real danger. Mm-hmm. So he's and, and and I said, "What do we do? We're praying. We're doing." I said, "Look, you need to pray for your child to get to the pig pen, mm-hmm. because everything you're doing is great, but until they realize the only person that can help me is God." When I give, when I turn everything, I, I've got nothing else. God, I, I, all, all I have is you. I mean, people keep pointing me toward you. I can turn my back on you, but Lord, I got nothing left. You are the, you are the, the, the source of eternal life. And just like the prodigal son, to, to start to make that turn, that, that metanoia, that conversion to, to turn back, literally in Greek means to turn back toward. Mm. So he turns back toward the Father, and he makes his way to the Father. And the beautiful thing about God's incredible mercy, which John Paul II brings out, while he was still a long way off, Mm. the Father caught sight of him. What does that mean? He was looking for his child the whole time. He never turned his back or abandoned his child. And and what did he do? Did he wait for the, okay, you walked away from me, I'm going to wait till you get up to me. So you could drop on your no. He ran once he caught sight. He ran to meet his son. Mm-hmm. He ran to meet his son, and God will do the same thing. We have the courage to turn back from our sin, to turn back from our hatred, to turn back from our resentment, to be that witness of mercy. Then God will rush to us with His love and His mercy, and finally, finally, we'll receive the healing that we've been longing for, for, for our whole life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, when I think about that story and beautifully said Deacon, um, you know, I think about, you know, that how, how the father was running out to meet him. I think about that in, in our own gift of the sacrament of reconciliation, right? That, you know, um, as, as faithful, we should be running <laughs> to, to that sacrament to experience that father's love, right? That, that, that the ability to be forgiven of our sins, to be embraced 
by a father, we get to experience that as Catholics, right? In, in the sacrament of reconciliation, which, you know, um, brings us back into, again, to that divine sonship and that filial relationship with our heavenly father, where, you know, we, we, we get to experience that metanoia, right? We're turning away from our sinful ways towards back towards God, especially through the, uh, the, the, the sacrament there. Now, Deacon, you had brought, you know, this, that, that example you talked about the parents and their children, but really that, I think it brings, it brings it out even further where it's that love for humanity, right? That the, the document in and of itself talks about that, that the Christian message is humanistic. Help us understand that, you know, when JP2, when we talk about, you know, the, the authentic center on Christ will imply a concern for humanity, right? That we are, we should be looking towards our fellow brethren out there, family or not, right? And have a, a genuine concern. I think about the spiritual works of mercy in this case, right? Of, of the salvation of their souls, not just caring for their bodily needs, but also in their sense of spiritual needs. Um, can you, can you, can you help us understand that as well? Yeah. This, see, we live in a culture that does worship the Trinity, me, myself, and I. Mm-hmm. The Trinity. I, the Trinity, <laughs> right, the Trinity, right? You know, where, where I am the center of all being in existence. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I am the center of reality. Um, uh, I got to get mine, you know, mm-hmm. that, that whole thing. Where, where the, the focus is turned in, where man is turned in on himself. You know, and, and our faith is exactly the opposite. Our faith is about covenant. And one of the tenets of covenant relationship is giving yourself away. See, the, 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 the John Paul II's point in this encyclical letter, when he talks about uh, mercy being humanistic, is when you give yourself away in love is when you truly find yourself in God. Mm. See, our faith is a gift. And, and what does that mean? We mean? That means we need to look at the person in front of us and see the image and likeness of God in that other person, not a color, not a stereotype, but to see God when we look at another person. That's exactly the understanding um, that that uh, from Genesis, when it, when in Genesis one, where it says we're made in the image and likeness of God's Selem uh, and Demuth in Hebrew, masculine and feminine words that really speak to the point of of God's life in us. The fact that we have God's very life. First John 4, 16 brings this out beautifully. God is love. And he who lives in love lives in God and God lives in him. Mm-hmm. That's mind blowing. I mean, that's food for adoration right there. <laughs> and second John 1, 4, uh, Peter talks about we're, we're partakers in the divine nature. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, Paul says our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. So there's many places in Scripture we talk about this idea of divinization, Mm -hmm. of God's life in us. And the Holy Father's point in this encyclical is is showing people that mercy has a face. Mm -hmm. Mercy is personal. Mercy is not just for me. It's it's about being merciful to others because we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm -hmm. So mercy has a human face. Um, and that's the, pay, the, the, uh, the, the face of the person who's broken, who's hurting, who's poor, who's homeless, who's suffering. Uh, the person in front of us is the person that we are called to witness to, to God's mercy. Mm-hmm. So much, so much in this document. Um, you know, I think, you know, when we think about the humanistic side of it, Deacon, again, reflecting back because we are in the Lenten season, 
on the Paschal Mystery that, you know, Christ came to save humanity. And so it would follow that then for, for us, the church, the body of Christ, that we would also serve humanity, right, in this sense where we're going to, um, you know, lay down our lives for our brethren, as we know in John's gospel, right? No greater love than this than to lay down one's life for a friend. And, you know, in this time of Lent, as we meditate on the richness of God's mercy for us, you know, for the, for the fellow listeners out there that you know, we're called to that love, to that higher love. So, Deacon, you know, we're, I mean. Well, yeah, there's, there's one more dimension yeah. that I think we need to, we definitely need to bring out. That's the Marian dimension yeah. of mercy. Oh, yeah. You know, that's <laughs> you know, that small thing. That. Yeah, that small <laughs> thing, right? Uh, you know, John Paul II, uh, obviously his motto, totus to him, totally yours. Uh, he had a very strong, very personal uh, very intimate relation with the Blessed Mother. I mean, you know, he 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 gave us a new a new decade to the Rosary. Man. Yeah, <laughs> he gave us new mysteries. You know, uh, the luminous mysteries of the Rosary. I mean, he he has such a deep love for the Blessed Mother. So, another thing that he does in this encyclical, he talks about the Marian dimension of Divine Mercy. Mm. You know how she faithfully cooperated with the merciful work of Jesus. That's important. Um, you know. I, it's, we're not going to get to the whole battles of whether she could be, whether it should be an, a, a, another Marian dogma about whether she's co-redemptic or co, you know, but the, here's the thing. Paul says, I make up myself what is lacking in the, in the sufferings of Christ. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? That Christ's suffering wasn't enough? That he didn't accomplish the work that he intended to accomplish? Oh, no, he most certainly did. Mm-hmm. What Paul is saying is what's missing in that is my participation mm-hmm. in it. And so the one that participates most deeply, most intimately, that's the the quintessential example of cooperating with God's merciful love is the Blessed Mother herself, Mm -hmm. because she's like us. You know, she's, I mean, except for, she, well, sin, but other than that, I mean, she's like us, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So she was a mother. The idea of the incarnation, Mm -hmm. receiving God into herself, receiving mercy into herself, which we do. Every time we go to the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass and receive Jesus Christ in that Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity, mm-hmm. you know, his her presence at the foot of the cross, her willingness to, to identify with Jesus' suffering. Um, you know, interesting. A lot of uh, people, uh, a lot of the uh, uh, theologians will say that Mary experienced labor pains, her labor pains, at the foot of the cross. Because remember, in Genesis 2, it doesn't say that you know, the woman's going to start experiencing labor pains. It says that her, her pains will increase, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so we think that Mary experienced the, 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 her major labor pains um, at the foot of the cross, that suffering when Simeon foretold that pierced soul. Mm-hmm. So the thoughts of many hearts may be laid there. And one thing I want to share is Psalm, part of Psalm 22. That's the famous Psalm that Jesus prays from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken, t- forsaken me? Mm-hmm. This is a messianic Psalm of fulfillment because all the things that happens in this Psalm is happening on the cross. They tear holes in my hands and my feet and lay me in the dust of death. I can count every one of my bones. These people stare at me and, glo- and gloat. They throw dice for my clothes. It's all in there, mm-hmm. you know? But here's a part that people often overlook. Remember who was at the foot of the cross? His mother. Here's part of Psalm 22, verse 10. Now, this is Jesus. He's praying this from the psalm as his mother is standing at the foot of the cross. Yes, it was you who took me from the womb, entrusted me to my mother's breast. To you, I was committed from birth. 
From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Stay not far from me. Trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Mm. Wow. Mm. A cry for mercy from the cross while his mother is standing there. Wow. You know, this, and this was written 700 years before, <laughs> before yeah, the events right. of, the, of the, I mean, come on now. You know, this is just, this is just how God reveals himself to us. And so I think with devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary, we can see her as a witness to mercy. And then uh, strong Mary and devotion on our part will also bring us into deeper intimacy with God's mercy as well. Yeah. So as we, as we kind of wrap this up, I think that the things that we can end parting with, because you brought up that piece of our own participation in this. So what are, let, let's, let's boil this down to ways that we as a body of Christ can carry on the mission of Christ as it relates to mercy. So what, what can we do Deacon to offer our fellow brothers and sisters out there to participate as we begin this Lenten season with the sons of thunder Right. Mo- <laughs> mo- motivated not only to receive God's mercy, but to bring that mercy to others, specifically in our in our missionary, uh, you know, zeal for Holy Mother Church. What can we offer offer to our, our, our brothers and sisters out there? Well, you know, we are members of the body of Christ. We're members of the church. So we need to profess and proclaim God's mercy uh, by by uh, contemplation, by prayer and most especially by living the message of Christ that's found in Scripture and the sacred tradition that's been handed on uh, by the church, most especially the participation in the sacramental life of the church, especially as we focus on Lent, Mm. the Eucharist and the sacrament of reconciliation, always looking for forgiveness and always in need of conversion. Mm -hmm. That's That's number one, to profess and proclaim mercy. Number two, we have to practice mercy. We have to practice what we preach. Our our words are not good enough. We have to put those words into action. So through evangelization, effectively sharing the truth of the faith in love, imploring mercy for others. You know, one of the things where Jesus says to pray for your enemies, mm-hmm. that not just, you know, well, okay, whatever. No, pray for your enemies, just as Jesus did from the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in turn, that becomes, uh, th- th- that act of mercy uh, we begin to receive mercy from others more openly and more deeply. Uh, and then we, that, in, in receiving that mercy and giving that mercy, we open up the spirit of equality and justice and forgiveness in our hearts. That's number two. So church practice, we need to practice God's mercy. And finally, the church depends on mercy for herself, especially what we're going through right now. Lord knows we need all kinds <laughs> right. of mercy. So we need to be praying for the church. We need to be praying for uh, for our bishops, we'd be praying for our priests, we'd be praying for the for the Pope. We need to be praying for all the things that are happening in church that are just confusing, confusion, uh, confusing. There's a lot of um, um, ambiguity. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of people that just are not sure what direction things are going in. And, and so we need to pray for that, mm-hmm. you know, and we need to, to look at the cross and see how much God loved us in that. And that, because that's what the cross is, is an act of love. It's an act of mercy. And uh, and so we need to, especially in this Lent, maybe one of the things we can do is live our spirituality more deeply uh, from the cross. Yeah, and I mean, I think... Especially praying for our brothers and sisters around the world that are being persecuted in, in Africa, especially in, in, in that amazing continent. Yeah, I mean, you know, for our listeners out there, especially as we begin this Lenten journey together, you know, um, 
it's, it's time to turn up the prayer and the fasting, you know, and the aestheticism, the practices that we can, I mean, we could, you know, the whole, we think about the Lenten journey. It's, it's conforming our own selves to the, the mystery of the Lord's suffering. So any act of penance, any act of prayer, um, anything that you're doing, you know, your, your morning has meaning, your pain has purpose, your, your suffering is salvific, you know, so taking that mindset during this Lenten journey, during this this Lenten season, as both Deacon and I even try to walk with you during this time, as we, you know, we launched this, this, this great initiative, initiative of Sons of Thunder, that we can walk together as the faithful, as the body of Christ, but with the goal of, of entering into a, a much more deeper union with our Lord and his most sacred heart through his divine mercy that he's shown to us. So Deacon, you know, it, this is, this is, man, I, I think this is going to be a problem for us every time to try to stick to a, you know, we can be talking for hours on this stuff <laughs> and we've got so many more documents to go through, but I think it was a good starting point for our, our listeners out there. We hope that you feel the same. Um, you know, we, we look, we look forward to, yeah, everything that you, that, you know, just the journey as Deacon and I um, want to continue to walk you through the richness of our faith, the traditions of our church in a way that we can distill and make it more practical for you. So we are grateful for this. And Deacon, you know, you being an ordained minister of the church, it would be uh, appropriate that we ask for your blessing upon us and all of the listeners out there. Sure. May money. May Almighty God bless you and keep you, uh, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, my brother, until we meet again, and to all the listeners out there, we are grateful for your time. And join us on the next episode of Sons of Thunder. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Sons of Thunder with the dynamic deacon and the man on fire. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. And find out more at deaconharold.com and johnsablon.com. God's peace.